1: Today's episode of On The Edge with Andrew Gold concerns something that is going on in Scientology, of course, and it's got my old friend and collaborator Aaron smith 11 I've started calling him Aaron instead of Aaron, and this was done as a bit of a live on YouTube because I wanted to invite questions and get a bit of a community vibe. But the fact is, Scientology is currently on its knees. It is one of the most dangerous cults in the world right now. That's why I put so much focus into it. This was initially going to be a Saturday episode. I've been putting a lot of the lives and the, and the uh, Scientology stuff on Saturdays uh, for the bonus, which you can get on patreon.com slash Gold or on Apple subscribers. Um, but just it was sort of a, the way that I was organizing things. We had to put it out today and put out one about um, an ex-Jehovah's Witness Well, either Saturday or Monday, I'm I'm waiting to see. I've just moved house. It's all kicking off. I've got the studio all built and ready. Well, nearly there, getting there little by little. Anyway, the point is that um, the Danny Masterson trial is over. That was that 70s show actor who was accused of raping uh, multiple Scientologist women. He's a Scientologist himself, and he had drugged them as well. So he's gone to prison for a very long time time um but what people didn't realize and what we're going to talk about today is there's a civil suit going on about scientology they are being taken down uh for sort of unrelated things but aaron's going to explain exactly what's going on do follow him on youtube on growing up in scientology as always there are some big episodes coming up i'm always talking to guests about coming on so uh stick around i suppose But now you're on the edge of Scientology and a big lawsuit with Aaron Smith-Levin. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. This is a really exciting
0: lawsuit um, as far as how damaging it could be. Uh, and, And again, how do you define damaging in this case? Hey, the more of Scientology's dirty laundry that gets exposed to the world at large, the better. This is not a criminal, it's not a criminal issue here. It's not like someone's going to be going to prison over this lawsuit, but we almost certainly will be seeing some criminal action relating to this in my humble personal opinion. So here's what it's about. It's about, now we got to be careful what words we use. We're only 90 seconds into the video, right? Um, yeah. YouTube. And some channels seem to be able to get away with using words that other channels like. There's no rhyme or reason to how YouTube enforces this stuff. What words can I use 90 seconds into this video? Um, Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. There is a organization within the Scientology hierarchy called Bridge Publications. And uh, this organization just prints... They they print L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology books. And this print shop is staffed exclusively by Scientology Sea Organization members. And there was a recruiter for well, one of the many recruiters for the Sea Org, but in particular for Bridge Publications, named Gavin Potter. Um, Gavin Potter is not just a recruiter. He was actually used to hold a position, very senior, very, very senior position in Scientology. He was actually busted down to the post of recruiter. One of the things that Gavin would do, and not just him, this was a Scientologist recruitment tactic, is to essentially honeypot underage Scientology girls into joining the Sea organization. And particularly at bridge publications, at least this lawsuit is particularly about bridge publications. What does
1: honeypot mean? Is it what, to people who don't know?
0: Honeypotting is like a spy term where the spy, they have some hot spy, whether it's a hot man or a hot woman who entices the targets into uh, a sexual relationship. And um, that's going, it's a, a honeypot. It's, uh,
1: have you never heard that term before? I, I have, but I just want to make uh, this is this is how empathetic I am for the audience. And, and i was just writing about it, just a, a very slight quicker side because I was just writing about a whole story I might have told you before about the police in the UK who sent men to marry leftist activists. Uh, they sent policemen to go and do that. So they married and had kids with them and stuff to spy on them. It was going on for about thirty years in England.
0: Wow, that's that's the whole pot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so the reason this lawsuit is particularly about Bridge Publications is because the lawsuit is was brought by Gavin Potter's ex-wife, who's one of the young girls he honeypotted, to join uh. the Sea Org. And she was 16 when she was basically made to marry Gavin because she had complained that he had sexually assaulted her. And she joined the Sea Org. She married Gavin, got pregnant with his child. He stayed in the Sea Org while she left to raise the kid. And uh, one little piece of info that's not in the lawsuit is, um, you know, this wasn't Gavin's first kid. Uh, when he married this 16-year-old girl, he had a six-year-old daughter. So you had this 16-year-old girl who had a six-year-old stepdaughter. I mean, this is disgusting. (laughs) And, and, and there was a word for all these, you know, uh, young, attractive girls that he would recruit to bridge. They were called the bridge babes. And wow. So Gavin Potter is named in this lawsuit. Specifically, David Miscavige is named as an individual in this lawsuit and three different Scientology organizations. Um, now, the purpose if my understanding is that the structure of this lawsuit is such that they're looking to add more defendants and add more plaintiffs. That doesn't make it a class action. Um, uh, I, I should be careful not to comment on things that are way above my pay grade. But I do know it's not a class action, but they are looking to add defendants and add plaintiffs. And, and I will be curious to see if the defendants that get added... Are only people who recruited for bridge publications because that's the scope of the lawsuit at this point, or if perhaps it would be expanded to include other Seerug recruiters for other Seerug organizations? Because, you know, in the wake of this lawsuit being revealed, it was actually filed December 29th, which was a key, a key date because California had implemented some sort of a two year look back period, something like this so, some look back period where um, people who were victims of various forms of SA who were past the statute of limitations were given a window in California to file lawsuits about those things that were past statute of limitations. December 29th, like uh, the end of the year would have been the expiration of that look back period. So the lawsuit was filed December 29th. It was filed um, like, you know, Jane Doe versus John Doe. And then only last week was it unsealed with the proper um, identities of the, of the defendants. The, the plaintiff is still a Jane Doe. Uh, But the defendants, uh, a version of the lawsuit was filed where the defendants were finally named. And Scientology had no idea this was sitting there. It's not like like Scientology just found out last week that this thing had been filed on December 29th. Can I just for the hell of it name off? uh, We we are creating a cumulative list of Sea Org recruiters who may either be witnesses or defendants. And since you've done so much Scientology content, do you mind if I just read off the list of recruiters that we have so far so the audience can get a sense God, yeah. of what we're talking about? Go on. Let's do it. <laughs> we have Gavin Potter, Nick Christensen, Jimmy Page, Brandon Faust, Cherie Bloomfield, Danica Shaw, Tashanya Faust, Tiber McCormick, Matt DeRyan, Valentino Buonacore, Quinn Toffer, Tarl Kuhn, Noam Agosi, Aaron Saxton, Rial Laplane, Robert Mokelman, Adam Daniels, Will Alcock, and David Rizzi read Reitzi, not sure how to pronounce that one. Um, so I'm not naming these names. Like I'm not saying everyone I just named is, uh, you know, guilty of um, perpetrating SA on recruits. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this entire lawsuit, the subject of aggressively recruiting underage children. I realize that's redundant. It's just how I say it. Underage children using threats of force, threats of repercussions, and a combination of flirting, saying you could get with me if you join the Sea Org. This is a problem in all of Scientology and the Sea Org. It's not just a problem with Gavin Potter. It's not just a problem with Bridge Publications. And um, you know the fact that this lawsuit is about a subject that is a huge problem in Scientology. Uh, it's why I'm so excited to see what happens with this thing and to see what criminal action may um, uh, fu- uh, you know, follow.
1: Man, that whole Gavin Potter thing sounds like almost a throwback to some of the older tr- sort of religion-y cults. I'm thinking of like the... FLDS, the Fundamentalist Church of Latter-day Saints, you know, that guy who was, uh, I forgot his name right now, who was, you know, had the whole family and he's got this family of stepdaughters and daughters and all this mad stuff going on. It's really creepy and it's, it's not, in my mind, that, I mean, there are aspects of that that are typical of Scientology, but it's it's not the first thing I think of with Scientology and the horrible stuff that goes on there. The the going out and recruiting. I mean, that's always been a bit problematic, hasn't it? And I I think to Alex Barnes-Ross, a friend of ours, who he talked about going out and finding people who didn't speak English properly to try and convince them that was their way, and because also they were more likely to not have heard about the bad stuff of Scientology. So they sort of preyed on people in that respect. Were you, when you were in, I mean, obviously you were in there all your whole life, were you recruiting? Did you ever have to do any of that stuff, you know? Thank God I didn't, because I
0: I mean, uh, well... if I had been on any of those posts where I either had to recruit people onto staff or recruit them into the C.R. or honestly, even recruit them into Scientology, I would not have lasted as long as I did. It's strange to say, especially now looking back on it, even as I was deeply involved in all of it, there was still a part of me that realized other people wouldn't want to be, or or even I'll go further, shouldn't want to be. Like, it was weird. It's a real point of cognitive dissonance you know like even as i was doing it there was a part of me that was like yeah but i'm doing this because i have to nobody else in the right mind would want to do this (laughs) wow that's really interesting i i never even so much as hardly sold a book in my entire time in scientology i even felt bad selling books to my students who had to have the materials for their course like if someone showed up to take a course and there was a book that they had to have in order to study i even felt bad being like okay go down to the bookstore and buy it you know because I'm like, why should anybody pay for these books? There's thousands of copies lying around that no one's using. You know, like I even felt guilty about small things like that.
1: So... Yeah. Is that the difference between between sort of the, you know, somebody who's grown up in Scientology and the, the, the zealous or the zeal of the convert? I think
0: it is one... Example of the difference because if if you're a first gen member who decided to join, there's a certain amount of enthusiasm around that. Like you decided to join, wow, this is great. I want more of this. There's no kid who grew up in Scientology who ever had that thought go through their head. <laughs> this is amazing. Give me more.
1: You know. Now, yeah. I always think that with like Jehovah's Witnesses, and I've asked ex-Jehovah's Witnesses because they're the most famous, I would say, uh, I'd say cult who go around knocking on doors and trying to convert people and selling the books and stuff. I know a lot of religions and cults do it, but that's what pops into my head, and I just always, you know, surely they're thinking, oh God, another person's going to slam the door in my face. It's going to be so embarrassing, you know.
0: I know, right? Yeah. I think those guys must transcend; like they must get to some point where they've convinced themselves they're looking forward to the next door that gets slammed on your face. Like, yes! One step closer to finding the person we're going to save. Like, they have to put themselves <laughs> in some headspace where they, like, re- feel really good about it. Otherwise, man, they must... I would feel so beaten down
1: by the end of the day, you know? Yeah, that's a really astute observation because I just I just say that I I know that there's soccer players, football players that I really like and one in particular I remember saying he used to say that he he, he trained himself to enjoy when he missed... Uh, because he knew it was more likely, like he'd score the next one.
0: Yes, you know, there's there's a similar thing, a similar uh, datum that exists in Scientology to help registrars who are selling books to people, uh, and it's something like L. Ron Hubbard said something somewhere about every twenty books sold makes one Scientologist, and. You know, there's no stats to back that up or anything. And it also, it doesn't differentiate between sold on a, in, a, in a bookstore, in a mall, sold on the website, sold in, in the reception of the Scientology org. But that's what um, people whose job was to sell books to people that walked in brand new for the first time. If they sold them a book, but the person, you know, ran off and never came back, it was like, that's okay. 19 more and we get an actual Scientologist, you know? <laughs> Got
1: it. Yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, no, luckily I never had to recruit. I never had to sell. My job was to deliver Scientology courses to people who someone else had already sold it to them. And yet another person had convinced them to come in and actually start. I just, once they showed up, my job was to give it to them. Um, That's probably why I was able to last as long as I did. I did not have to involve myself in convincing people that they should turn over their money or turn over their time, or turn over their kids. Those are the people who, on the one hand, it's a, it's a horrible, thankless job. But it's also where a lot of fraud and abuse enters in. And it's easy for me to go, oh, if I was in those positions, I would never have lasted as, as long as I did. But I don't know that for sure. I, I might've figured out how everything I was doing was the greatest good for the greatest number and saving the world one, one lie at a time, you know? Like, I'm not trying to excuse, I'm not trying to say, I'm better than all those people. Uh, what do they say? If not, if not, but for the grace of God. If there, if not, for, but for the grace of God, go I, or some shit like
1: that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I know what you mean. I, I mean, so many people, I, I do know what you mean, though, with the difference between, you know, being born into it and then when you've joined it. Because I think if you've joined it, you've got that pursuit of status. You've, you're missing something in your life and you want that status so much and you want to keep climbing and climbing. And I can't, I mean, Obviously, there's the bridge, there's getting up, you know, operating the, in one, two, threes, and so on. But I think selling a lot of books and actually making money for Scientology must, must be a real status giver to the person doing it.
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, Scientology lives or dies on the backs of its fundraisers and its recruiters. It's It's a very thankless job, but they're the ones that are keeping the lights on as well, so... Um, there is a certain amount of prestige that exists in Scientology for those who are very, very good at it. That's what I can imagine.
1: Um, you mentioned, of course, David Miscavige, that is the leader of Scientology, who I just always love it when um, certain characters in the world look like what you might imagine them they should look like. you know. And one, for example, I don't know how known in America this is, but Jimmy Savile, the, the TV presenter who was doing horrible things, he looks exactly like he should look for an evil person and you go like how was he not you know how do people not know and david miscavige of course looks like the and i don't know how to what extent that's cause and correlation like i've always known that that picture of him he looks quite scary and but short and weird and i don't quite know shadows under his eye all this stuff but he is for those who don't know is it right to say i and we'll talk about how he's implicated in this case that he is tom cruise's best friend oh Absolutely. What is that relationship about?
0: You know, to a certain extent, I wonder which one of them wants to be like the other one. Like, is it Miscavige (laughs) who wishes he was more like Cruz or is it Cruz who wishes he was more like Miscavige? Um, I think it really is two extremely small, but powerful men, um, seeing themselves reflected in the other, uh, you know, two men against the world, (laughs) two small men who call themselves big beings. And, um, which is funny because that's not like a real thing in Scientology. Like Hubbard might have used that word a few times, big beings, but there's not different kinds of beings <laughs> in Scientology. <laughs> it's just it's just this thing you say to brag about yourself. Oh, I'm such a big being. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I wonder, like, I don't know. There's so much speculation about the nature of, of that relationship. Oh. I, I have to say, I tend to think that Cruz looks up to Miscavige more than Miscavige looks up
1: to Cruz. Which is mental. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, that's completely bonkers. He's, like, if that's the case, which it does seem to be the case, that's the, like, those are the only two people that feel that way about the two of their status on the world stage. Like, nobody wants to be David Miscavige, well, outside of Scientology. And a lot of people who don't know about the whole Tom Cruise stuff would like to, you know, emulate or be a bit like, or know or be friends with Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's true.
0: I don't know. I probably see Tom Cruise through my own tinted uh, glasses, however you want to say it. whenever I even not even just Tom Cruise, but the people who work with him when I see interviews like let's say what's the what's the movie that's about to come out a new Mission Impossible movie
1: Mission Impossible 37
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I see interviews with his co-stars doing press for the movie and they're telling stories about Tom Cruise. There's just, some, I listen to the, I, I watch these things, I see these things and I go, it sounds so inauthentic. It doesn't even sound real. It sounds like these people are contracted to tell endearing stories about Tom. It's the same thing. I think when I see Tom, I go, Tom, uh, like you don't seem authentic. You seem like this fake person. You're always being Tom Cruise, super Scientologist. Like it's this overbearing, uh, two, always smiling a little bit too much, always laughing a little bit too hard. At at some point, I feel like I'm just nitpicking him all the time. But it's like, I wish I could like Tom Cruise. I wish I could watch a Tom Cruise movie and see him disappear into his characters. But he's changed. Scientology has changed him. David Miscavige has changed him. He's not the same Tom Cruise. He's this fanatical, um, fundamentalist, extremist version of himself. And Scientology has done that to him. But I I would even say specifically... David Miscavige has done that to him because Tom Cruise was in Scientology for a long time while while still being the Tom Cruise we all remember. The guy who, who was actually kind of a humble person who seemed sort of normal. Uh, he, David Miscavige turned him into what he is now after the whole you know, eyes wide shut thing happened and Nicole was taking mm-hmm. him away from Scientology and then Miscavige intervened and orchestrated the divorce between him and Nicole. And, and ever since then, he's been this freakish version of himself. It's, it's really unfortunate. I wish we could have the old Tom Cruise back.
1: A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. And it's funny, actually, because David Miscavige doesn't give off that impression of like, hey, super energy guy. You know, what's David Miscavige's personality? Have you seen the Scientology International event videos,
0: though? Because... Oh, is he like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- probably not to the same extent that Tom is, because Tom does have that, like... David Miscavige doesn't laugh. Uh, Tom's always, like, laughing at himself, laughing at whatever's going on so that that's different but david miscavige does have this sort of um i've heard it described as this rolling thunder way of speaking where it's super dramatic these long run-on sentences and paragraphs that build up to these huge crescendos very uh inauthentic very not natural kind of you know where you go you're putting on an act you're not just you're not just being yourself
1: but Yeah, Yeah. to the point that Nazanin Bonyadi, Tom Cruise's ex-girlfriend, couldn't understand him.
0: Right. Or was it he who couldn't under... No, you're right. She couldn't understand him because he speaks with this South Philly sort of accent and he kind of speaks out of... The side of his mouth. How does that that's sound fine.
1: to a to a British person? A no, no, I, won't I, I won't be able to
0: do it. I won't be able
1: to. South Philly. I'm just. I have no idea. It's vague American. South Philly. That's how I talk. No, that's like Southern, isn't it? Oh God. Adam. I I uh, know. I'll, I'll stop doing that. So, <laughs> in what in what ways in what way is David miscarriage then? Is it just in the sense of him being look, he was in charge while all of this? What, what are we? What are we? You know, uh, recruiting. With SA and all that stuff was going on, he's the he, the buck stops with him. Is that what he's involved in? It's the buck stops with him, and he also um, has
0: a pre-existing relationship with Gavin Potter. Gavin Potter used to be a senior executive at, in Scientology, was called Author Services International. This is an organization that's um, has almost equal seniority in Scientology to the organization that David Miscavige runs. Miscavige runs an organization called RTC, a Religious Technology Center, and they own the trademarks of Scientology. There's an organization called CST, Church of Spiritual Technology. They own the copyrights. Then you have Author Services. Author Services is L. Ron Hubbard's personal literary agency. And as staff members of his literary agency, they're basically considered emissaries of L. Ron Hubbard almost, So these three organizations, RTC, RTC, CST, and ASI are like all equally senior in Scientology. And Gavin Potter was one of the senior executives of ASI. So it was through, Miscavige was involved in busting, demoting Gavin to be a recruiter. And because Gavin is such a good salesperson, I mean, recruiting is just sales, right? Whether you're at, you know, so, uh, so he has at times been both a recruiter and a registrar. He's a phenomenally talented fundraiser and recruiter. Um, it is Miscavige who is responsible for Gavin continuing to be on these posts despite an awful lot of misconduct of the nature of what this lawsuit is about. Like the Jane Doe who brought this lawsuit is not the only female gavin potter has um done things like this too and he's also certainly not the only recruiter so there is a pre-existing relationship between david miscavige and gavin potter it's also the fact that david miscavige is the one who micromanages every aspect of scientology um so uh to my understanding the lawsuit does not accuse david miscavige himself of engaging in the same conduct that Gavin Potter engaged in, but he is named as an individual in this suit. And I'm told that serving Miscavige is not
1: going to be a problem in this lawsuit. Does that mean he has to turn up? Does that happen in civil lawsuits?
0: Uh, he may not have to personally turn up. He, uh, his lawyers turning up for him, I believe, would be enough. But you know, that's something I'll talk to my, my lawyer friend, uh, Zach Morgan, about.
1: Yeah and I, I asked that because obviously there was so much made about where is Shelley for anyone who doesn't know that's to do with his wife being missing for many years and Aaron is, you've, you've said that well we know where she is she's in this sort of bunker place and she's just doing what she's doing but he has also not been making public appearances how long has it been since he made a public appearance and wouldn't it I mean it would be like big news if you suddenly saw him turning up in court or something wouldn't it? Oh,
0: but when you say public appearance, do you just mean at a private Scientology event or like in the world? In the world. Or does he he turn up in public events still? Events that he's like emceeing. Like he did the New Year's. He showed up to emcee the New Year's event in Clearwater.
1: Oh, did he? yeah okay what does he look i mean i've only seen every time i type his name into google and i do a lot because i pop his face into the thumbnails and stuff So always those old ones where he's like looking all weird and it's like the 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 aspects all weird i can't tell if he's coming or going and where he isn't do you know what i mean those pictures at a desk and how big's the desk and how big is he and he looks dominant it's a weird couple of pictures They did publish some photos, some glamour shots of him
0: uh, from the New Year's event that I've been using in my thumbnails because he looks a lot older than he did in those earlier photos. I'll send them to you.
1: Okay, thank you. Oh, sending me some salacious pics, Aaron, after the show. I can't wait to get hold of those. Very excited. Everyone
0: else can access those pics at David Miscavige on, oh, wait, I can't say that website. I was going to say just for fans, you know, the alternative.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get my whole channel taken down just for a joke. Just, was it worth it? Probably would have been just for the joke about David Miscavige. So he, okay, so how much trouble can he be in? I mean, let's just compare it to the Danny Masterson
0: um, criminal trial. Scientology, and just for the sake of making some comparisons, Scientology got beat up pretty bad in that trial, even though they weren't a defendant. So compare that to this, where Scientology is the defendant. And um, there, there is so much dirt here. And this, I, I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of former Scientologists who are going to be able to lend their voice to to, if not to this lawsuit in particular, to this subject—the subject of Scientology, Sea Org recruiters aggressively recruiting children using honeypot tactics—I mean, almost no matter what the outcome of this lawsuit is, Scientology's in a lot of trouble. I mean, Scientology uh, worries about the the PR war just as much as they worry about the legal war. Now, as far as this lawsuit goes, remember it's a, it's a civil lawsuit. So um, the only possible outcome of a civil lawsuit is something of a of a financial nature. Scientology has plenty of funds to settle lawsuits like this. They, they'll fight them as long as they can to stay out of the courts because remember Scientology's never won a jury trial in its entire existence. So it will pay almost any amount of money and delay proceedings almost as, as long as they can to prevent themselves from going to court. But once they know they're going to end up in court, they're going to pay to settle this case. So the actual damage that will be inflicted to Scientology, in some sense, someone could say the damage is, li- is limited because it's never going to get to a jury. They're never going to have some massive you know, settlement. I say never. The, the lawyers in cases like this will advise the client to settle when the, the offer is right and not to go to a jury trial. It is, it is ultimately the plaintiff's decision whether to go to trial or not. So I don't want to speak for anyone. I'm not saying this could never go to a jury trial. These things like this almost never do. So when I say Scientology is going to take damage, I mean in the press. I mean as far as informing the world about what goes on behind the curtain in Scientology. And the damage there is going to be massive. Because this is, I mean, this is something I'm shifting my focus to is interviewing um, second, third generation, fourth generation Scientologists who have all been subjected to things like this and encouraging people to come forward who are willing to be witnesses in the case, who are willing to be plaintiffs in the case, who have other experiences with other Scientology recruiters, United States, outside of the United States, what have you. Like This is going to be a concentrated, um, focused area of exposure. And there'll be just as much damage done to Scientology outside of the courtroom on this subject as there will be uh, inside the courtroom, and um, yeah, not a good time to be David Miscavige.
1: No, it's it's a really interesting one. Obviously, I mean, you were telling me just on the phone the other day that I get, like I said at the beginning, that you know the Danny Masterson case, he's a celebrity and that's gotten so much you know publicity. But this is actually, in some senses, bigger. Right? I, that is how I feel about it. This is in in many senses bigger.
0: You know, wow. Danny is one person one person who did horrible things and then you have to cover up you have the obstruction of justice but you know there was one person on trial there now we're talking about something that includes dozens and dozens of recruiters who all use similar tactics um scientology the amount of the amount of obstruction of justice tactics i expect them to uh unleash um is, is significant
1: I don't want to ask you too many sort of legal questions because I don't expect you to know all the ins and outs. But could this be, you know, the civil suit? And then could it lead to criminal cases based on things that crop up in the in the suit? Yes, that that is just a yes. I've already spoken
0: with enough people. The answer to that is yes. And that is and that is kind of the goal. That's the hope. That's the goal. And um That's why it's important for as many people to come forward as possible so that, you know, the district attorney's office has a lot of information and a lot on a lot of people to go through and see, okay, do we have something here that can be prosecuted? The the more, the more, the more information, the better, the more people who come forward, the better, even former recruiters. You know what I mean? Like everyone, I just, the list of recruiters that I just read, some of those people could be cooperating witnesses. It's not like all these people have to be baddies, you know? Um, Yeah. Have any of them
1: left Scientology?
0: Yes, well, uh, some of these people that I know, when I say left, I mean they're under the radar. They're secretly out. I, um, I'm i trying to think if there's anyone on this list who's full blown <laughs> out. To my knowledge, there's no one on the list that I just read who's like actually, actually yeah. out.
1: Do you know them? Are they, are they like messaging you and going, oh God, I'm secretly out, Aaron, and stuff like that? I know some of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it because it's like we chat and it's like we're talking about what to me Although I've done a lot of videos on it, is this far-flung, almost exotic? I can't believe it's a real thing, kind of thing out there in like La La Land and the rest of the world, and we're talking about. It, and I have to remind myself sometimes, like you are actually in the thing, and you know a lot of these people personally, and it really has a, a, an attachment to you. It's partly why I, I, I always say to people, go. To growing up in Scientology, because that's where you're going to get the best uh, inside information about Scientology. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, is, what what would it feel like? Okay, I guess I look at something like Nixium, you know, that cult Nixium, which stole a lot from Scientology and their tactics and stuff, and that was Keith Ranieri, the leader, and Alison Mack, who was like the Tom Cruise, the Hollywood star who was sort of, and she was much more involved, I suppose, in setting rules and things than Tom Cruise was, I think, but Tom Cruise, on the other hand, has done a lot more for Scientology in terms of PR and money and things like that. and they got arrested. And, you know, I, I don't know if she's still in prison now. He is for the rest of his life, Keith Ranieri. Um, but even in, and even in court, it was it was funny to see because they were so centred on being like Scientology that they brought up precedents that had come from Scientology. So they brought up like, hey, well, you know, Scientology did all this harassment stuff and they didn't get in trouble for it. So why? We shouldn't have to either, which was great. But look, Keith and Alison went to prison can you see that being, you know, an inevitable or, or hopeful for us end to, to David Miscavige and, and even Tom Cruise? Could you see either of them, particularly David, in prison? And what would that mean to you? I think the only
0: thing, oh God, I'm going to be a little wishy-washy in my answer here. I can think of many reasons why for me, I don't think Miscavige will end up in prison. Uh, even for other matters, Parti- uh, certainly not for what we're talking about right here. Uh, in order to go to prison for what we're talking about right here, you pretty much have to have your own personal hands dirty. Uh, that's my, my personal opinion. Now, when we're talking about the widespread systemic identity theft, wire fraud, credit card fraud that existed in Scientology, that's where you're talking about a conversation that I go, if the government approached it from a Rico angle, could Miscavige go to prison? Theoretically. But I would also say, look, none of the heads of the big banks went to prison for any of the you know, the stuff that happened back in 2008 and stuff. So I, I sort of think of Scientology as having almost the too big to fail protection that some of those banks had combined with the religious protection that it, it enjoys in the courts. I, I see it very unlikely that Miscavige ends up in prison, but not impossible. But if I'm being honest, highly unlikely. Uh, even if he were to be personally implicated in the the wire fraud stuff that I'm talking about. Um, so does that answer that question? Yeah. I don't think Miscavige goes to prison for what we're talking about here. And I'm highly skeptical he ends up going to prison for something later on. Because when the government's going after an organization like this, um, how often do we see them at the end of the day being willing to settle for some big financial settlement instead of, you know, plead to something lesser, admit no fault, pay a shit ton of money and not go to prison. That, that tends to be how these stories go. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean that's how it's going to go for Scientology. It's just that's how the story usually goes. So, you know, until <laughs> until I have reason to think the outcome will be different, that's sort of how I think it's going to go.
1: I, it almost makes you feel sorry, and I say almost for Keith Ranieri because we're talking about a psychopath leader of a cult here. But he's just thinking, like you know, right? I love this whole Scientology thing. I'm just going to copy it, do my own one, and within a few years, he's in prison for the rest of his life. And he's going, "What have I done wrong? I've just done the same thing he did, you know." Yeah, how's he got away with it? So you know, maybe there's a chance that he sh- I just understand how have- <laughs> Nixian went down. Go on. He shouldn't. He shouldn't have stepped on the gas so hard before getting religious protection. <laughs> I know that was the thing. That was he needed that's, to get involved with the IRS. Yeah, that that's that's uh, that's what Mike Rinder has always said. He said the difference between
0: Scientology and Nexium is Nexium didn't have religious protection.
1: Wow, and so the story just went in and yeah, yeah went in and, got and by him, the way and that was the it. list of recruiters here
0: I when I said I'm I, I know some of them I personally in real life know over half of these guys some of them I'm in touch with. Hmm. Okay. I see. I see. Yeah.
1: What, what, and the, the second part of my question before was what would it, I mean, I, what would it mean to you to see not, not just David Miscavige, but Tom Cruise as well in handcuffs one day, you open the papers in the morning and that's what's going on.
0: <laughs> I mean, Tom, Tom Cruise will never go. Not Tom Cruise will never be implicated in any legal actions relating to Scientology. I don't think so. Um, if I, if you were to see Miscavige like perp walked or, you know, even if he didn't get perp walked, even if he just turned himself in, um, it would be very meaningful. Like what what would it mean specifically? It would mean that Scientology was not above the law. And as of now, Scientologists still have this impression that Scientology is above the law. Uh, they're beyond reproach. Uh, even if they do bad things, it's because they're building a new world with broken straws. Of course, things are going to go wrong, but you know, the fact that their motivations are saving the planet excuses any harm that they should do. Even if anyone does harm, nobody should care. Uh, that's how Scientologists think. And if Miscavige were to personally face ramific- ramifications of, of a, a legal nature like that, it it would be a, a sea change for how Scientologists think about themselves. They um. They really are very, very careless. They really would do almost anything to protect Scientology or break any law. Um, and I think they would have to to reconsider that if their very own David Miscavige uh, was facing prison time. It, it would be pretty what, important.
1: Who would step in? Because I know he obviously stepped in and it was a whole big, he made like a move for leadership when L. R. R. Hubbard died or after he died. What Can you see that happening again? Like the popes and stuff, like everyone's going for it. <laughs>
0: There's no voting system uh, to establish Scientology leadership. Like that's what they do with the the papal the papal council or whatever. Yeah. What do they call it? Um, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Mike Rinder has said the most obvious person and likely person to step in would actually be Shelley Miscavige.
1: Whoa. Yeah. That would be interesting. So, yeah. See, see, she'd have to turn up to places. Yeah.
0: So, you know, um, I mean, she's missing in the sense that she's disappeared from public life. She's no longer travels with Miscavige's entourage. You know, she's working at this remote Scientology base, but she hasn't ceased to exist. Um, and uh, she worked with L. Ron Hubbard much more closely than David Miscavige ever worked with L. Ron Hubbard. And she. Um, yeah. And, and she would be the best answer i mean and, and if not her it's just really anyone's guess. there's probably a a dozen executives who in in, in some way shape or form are qualified to step in um uh you know all, all these executives have been neutered and spayed. <laughs>
1: yeah like yeah.
0: when i say executives these are people they don't hold executive posts anymore like miscavige has removed all of scientology's senior executive um, structure from their posts like they don't exist anymore. Miscavige has dis- dismantled all of Scientology's international management. Um, but those managers still exist. He keeps them doing busy work. Um, you know, there's a guy you might want to interview sometime. His name is Mitch Brisker. He's just started um, going public the last few weeks. Uh, he spent the last 28 years being Scientology's film director. Oh, and um, you, you've probably yeah. seen him popping up the last couple weeks on all Maybe, our yeah. SPTV channels.
1: Yeah, I think and so.
0: He, he has said that all these managers have been put onto this project called the analog project, which is taking just this vast amount of Scientology data that's never been digitized and um, and digitizing it. So he's got these people who've spent like 40, 50 years being Scientology managers. He's got them doing busy work. He's got them doing clerical work. He's got them doing technical work, right? So there, that's why I said there's maybe like a dozen people who in some way, shape or form would be qualified to step in. But, Uh, who knows if those guys would even be interested
1: you never know yeah yeah just i mitch emailed me uh because i was asking for advice on my lighting and stuff and he used to work in the lighting he sent such a long nice email and i'm so happy you've mentioned that because i forgot to reply i was moving house so now i'm going to reply to him after this because it's so nice of him to reach out and offer all that advice oh you'd have so much fun talking to him oh okay I'm gonna get I'm gonna get back in touch that's really good so thanks for that because bloody hell that would have been um I would have felt bad well I do feel bad but there you go um so I mean now imagine that though that is like a movie if David Miscavige like got arrested or whatever and then up steps Shelley and everyone's like oh where's she been and then she's like 10 times worse like punching people in the corridors and stuff and like how would Leah Remini react to that because I know she's sort of been oh where's Shelley and she comes in she's like yeah here I am and that would be like bloody hell you
0: know It'd be pretty difficult to be worse than Miscavige. I mean, people, uh, various people who've worked at the international base have had different experiences with Shelly. And, and those experiences range from good to bad. But I think all of them have been pretty consistent about at least one thing, which is that she was definitely the nicer side of
1: that duo. So okay, it'd be really? hard to be worse. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, when does um, the civil suit start? I mean, it started. It started oh, well, what does well, yeah. that mean
0: um, it means it was filed and mm. accepted I think they still now have to is the next step service this would be a good conversation for me to have with my, uh, my lawyer friend Zach Morgan um, but I mean to the best of my understanding in a legal sense it has started filing the lawsuit and unsealing it you know publicly is
1: that's the start Bloody hell. okay should we go you happy to answer some questions if I go to some questions from people Sure. Okay, good. We could go for like twenty more minutes of stuff. I'll put this out on the audio podcast as well. As a big episode. Um, and um, okay, so what's Claire saying here? Aaron Ree, really the missing C or guy you just did a video for. Has anyone died on the RPF? You have to explain what RPF is possible slash makes sense if his cis then said, Never mind and why no one knows where he is. Brackets, keep up the great work.
0: Okay, so um the RPF is uh basically the reconditioning and labor camp for Sea org members. Um, C-Org members who were assigned to the RPF have no contact with other Sea org members or even their spouses for years. Um, so I did a video just about an hour ago of Sea C-Org member whose family has not heard from him in many, many years, and they're trying to find out what happened and verify that he's alive. I don't personally know anyone who, who's passed away on the RPF but I vaguely, like it's not impossible. You can pass away at any time. So there's, yeah. you know what I mean? You, uh, Scientology does not have a history of covering up deaths. That's just something I can say as a fact. So even Annie Broker, who's one of the two people that L. Ron Hubbard uh, intended to take over Scientology, when and she stayed in the Sea Org until she died. She died of cancer. Even when she died, Scientology didn't announce it publicly or anything. But people were able to find her death certificate. Scientology Mm -hmm. has an awful lot to lose. Scientology is not going to gamble with, you know, being, uh, Scientology is not going to go out of their way to open themselves up to criminal charges by doing things like burying someone out in the desert, covering up a death. These are the things people go to prison for. Miscavige is not going to do things like that. If if Shelly were to have passed away, there's no reason in the world for Scientology not to want people to know about that. Let me clarify my words. It's not that they would promote it. There's no reason for Scientology to want to hide the fact if someone's passed away, right? Let's just say someone passed away from cancer. That's not discreditable in Scientology. People, it's like, it's like the leading cause of death for Scientologists. Is it embarrassing if a high level senior member dies of cancer? Sure. It was embarrassing when L. Ron Hubbard died of a stroke that they That all Scientology doesn't have a history of covering up things like that. So whereas we can't prove it didn't happen, we also have no reason to believe that's what happened. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, fair enough, and I I get that as well. Whenever people did, uh, you know, there there was still these big controversies um, around people who have died and stuff, and why they died, and all those things. But it wasn't that didn't seem to have been hidden um goldie which is like my name says the only thing the only thing worse than andrew's american accent is my english one big love (laughs) from SPTV, andrew my namesake well thanks goldie nice to hear from you um thank you very much for the super chat very nice claire alice also uh, again thank you very people are just so generous it's amazing great work to you too andrew keep it up and thank you for keeping this and similar brackets cults slash that word infer just don't want to say it too many times in focus and exposing the truth thank you pixie for the super sticker thank you pixie's always always there always being wonderful rabbit thank you as well i like this content Andrew. it's free too thank you so much rabbit new england coast is there any video we can watch to see the midgets that would be david miscaverage could also be tom cruise but i think we already know how he speaks style of speaking
0: There are, there's videos of international Scientology events. I've sort of, um, I haven't posted uh, those videos to my channel yet because if I do, I want to be able to do chapter breaks and add annotations and everything. And Scientology event videos are like two to three hours long. Um, But you can find these event videos on YouTube and you'll see his style of speaking. I expect, I would suspect it's even, it's harder to understand him in normal life when he's not... Uh, when he's just speaking casually and relaxed than when he's up on stage performing. You know, his speeches are essentially performances. But you will get a sense of his style of speaking. Um, yeah. By the way, one of these comments jogged my memory. You know, you've been blowing me away recently in subscriber growth. You know that, right?
1: Yeah, Don't- I look. At, I look yeah. every day at yours, then every day at mine, and then I have a nice coffee. <laughs>
0: and so... I've had to resort to bribing people to subscribe to my channel. I mean, I've uh, my my uh, so I want to announce to all your viewers that mm-hmm. when I hit 170,000 subs, I'm I've pledged oh, yeah. a $500 donation to the Aftermath Foundation. So, jump on. I'm getting close. I'm getting close. That's
1: a good reason that's
0: right and a lot subscribe. of other people have pledged to if not match um do a partial match so once i hit 170 i, I it'd probably be at least five thousand dollars in donations that'll go to the aftermath foundation so
1: how's that for a bribe oh, how's that that's a fantastic gotta- reason for people to go there <laughs> growing up in scientology you've got to there's no one better as i always say
0: protect your dream home with american family insurance and you can weather any storm
1: you know what just boring youtube talk but i think people are interested because at the end of the day people use youtube as a platform they want to know i never ask people to subscribe right and the reason isn't because i'm too cool to ask people to subscribe it's nothing to do with that it's because if you have too many subscribers who only subscribe because you ask but then don't necessarily watch the content uh, it can damage your videos because you get a lower click-through rate because it's like you know, and you see that a lot with celebrities. Loads of people have followed them, but then their content isn't stuff that they would typically watch, and their channels don't do well. However, in this case, our content is so aligned that it makes sense that people who are discovering over here should go over to yours, and they will watch the content. So, do go over to Growing Up in Scientology and, and subscribe. And you know, it's funny. The YouTube
0: algorithm is so smart that if you start watching content, it'll start showing up on your home feed and stuff, even though you're not subscribed. So there's a lot of people who actually watch um, a channel all the time and don't even realize they're not subscribed because YouTube keeps serving up those videos
1: anyway. Yeah, that's why I never ask people, I ask them to like, because I think it spreads, the, I'm not even sure about this, no one really knows, I think it spreads the video out to more people and shows YouTube people enjoyed it, I ask them to you know comment, It's this, there's definitely like an X factor in what makes a YouTube video go out and no one quite knows, it's like the Coca-Cola secret ingredient and stuff like that, it's like no one quite knows and it seems to be videos that inspire like a crazy reaction when people are like, what? Those ones can go big sometimes. Um but, but I, no one knows what's going what's going on, but you're absolutely right. That's why I don't ask to, to subscribe because they'll see my video again in their, in their thing. And if they want to subscribe, they will. And hopefully they're still watching. Uh, Stacy, thank you for the super chat. Uh, Stacy says the high dangerous dosages of niacin given to members could cause horrible side effects and death. That's true, isn't it? Do you want to give us a little bit about just for those who don't know about niacin?
0: Yeah. Um, very high doses of niacin taken over a long period of time. It, it's one of the most widely studied, uh, what's the word? I want to say vitamins, but niacin, you can't call niacin a vitamin, right? I don't. It's not a vitamin. Is um, it? Substance. Something. Uh, some of the largest, most long-term studies that have been done have been done on niacin. And it is absolutely linked uh, to cancer. And Scientologists who are doing the purification rundown take, I, I think and uh, someone can fact check me on this. I believe the daily dosage of niacin that you get up to is 5,000 um, units a day of niacin. That is so much more than your body is meant to handle. And someone can do this for weeks or months on end. And because L. Ron Hubbard has put this idea into Scientologists' head that niacin is great, Scientologists take niacin all the time. It's not like it's mandatory, Like, and not all not all Scientologists do it. But they take high doses of niacin much more frequently than non-scientologists ever would. And it's, it's directly linked to cancer. So um, I, I recommend people look up the studies on that. But um, I think Scientologists have no idea the damage they're doing to their body by the amount of niacin that they're taking.
1: It's scary. That is really scary. Um, April and Amsterdam, again, thank you so much for the super chat. Very generous. Does David Miscavige have possible criminal exposure? Resuspected elder abuse of the aging Sea Org members.
0: Well, you know, it's just my layman opinion. When, when you when you understand how many hierarchies of echelons there are in Scientology and how they're all different organizations and how on paper Miscavige is not associated with any of them. Like it's one of these things where <laughs> that's why the government really has to use the RICO Act to be able to tie Miscavige to a lot of these Scientology crimes. Because technically Miscavige doesn't even manage Scientology in a, in a legal sense. Now look, you look up his website, you look up his videos, you look up his bio, he takes, cr- he takes credit for micromanaging anything, everything. But in a legal sense, he manages none of it that's on incredible. paper. Yeah, so again, as a layman, do I think he has exposure because old CRM members are being abused? I don't personally think so, but the government might disagree with me.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah. The amount of money this guy's got, he's just got the best lawyers and everything on it, and he's just not going to be in trouble, I think. Joe Bloggins, thank you as well. Very generous of you. And Joe asks, well, hey, Aaron, any update on the copyright strike that Scientology launched on the use of L. Ron Hubbard video on your channel?
0: Yeah. The update is that there is no update yet, which means Scientology has not submitted uh, any evidence of pursuing a uh, lawsuit against me for violating their copyright. And uh, But we haven't, the, time, the clock has not finished ticking. It's like 14, 14 calendar days, 10 business days from the day that I filed my counter complaint. Scientology has 14 days to basically put up or shut up. Show us you're going to sue him or the video goes back up. So the, the, the clock yeah. is still ticking, uh, but we're getting close.
1: It's so unfair on the YouTuber. And, and I get why we have to have these rules because it's not right when people just use someone's video and pass it off as their own creative material. But I imagine that you did it in a very fair use kind of way because you were commentating on it. It's very clearly the case. But the issue here is that the way it works now is that if they do get back and say, no, no, like you, you've said, like, hey, this should be fine. It's fair use or whatever. And then they say, no, it's not. Then you've just got some anonymous arbitrator, arbiter, who you don't even know, who might not even understand the context of any of this, who could just actually get rid of your channel. Like, that's the end of your livelihood. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. It's a risk. It's actually shocking Scientology hasn't tried to abuse more channels in this way. I'm amazed they haven't. Done. I don't want to give them ideas because I'll be watching this. <laughs> but it's it's so hard to turn up at people's houses and hide in the bushes and be all weird like that. That takes a lot of energy and resources. It doesn't take... Well, let's not give them ideas, actually. Because <laughs> they could screw us. Because YouTube is... You know, we'd have to get... We'd have to get in touch with people at YouTube and get some protection. And But doesn't it make you always- wonder,
0: like Scientology has the reputation for hiring the best help, hiring the most expensive attorneys, hiring the most expensive PIs. And so you'd think that them hearing us talking about how they could be screwing with channels shouldn't be the first time someone's telling them how they could screw with channels. Do you see what, like? They shouldn't be getting their advice from us.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But what if that... But- If that is something we've given them the idea to do, then I would just reiterate that everyone should subscribe to Aaron's channel because that is very Scientology-based and mine is like a bit of everything. You get a bit of everything on mine. So if I were Scientology as well, I wouldn't be worried about my channel, but really I'd go for Aaron's. I think that's the one you've got to bring down. Don't just leave mine alone, everybody. Yeah. Um, we were talking about youtube before um and, and how it does the algorithm stuff i like this from otan jello i watched a funny cat video one time one time and now i'm a damn youtube cat lady against my will i think that is funny that's that's how it happens i purposely don't watch certain videos that i do want to watch because i think i don't want to see more of that stuff afterwards one would be enough um there was one about you sleeping that i want to i want to find um that oh yeah so judith one, I, I think judith i don't know what she thinks mine and your relationship is but she's asking me andrew does aaron sleep well <laughs> and always watch over his shoulder this is serious i think that he's very brave to sound off against it. You, judith you're absolutely right I obviously made light a bit but um no it is do you worry aaron
0: andrew's like aaron's always tossing and turning in bed at night
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no i've given up that he's actually in the room next door
0: <laughs> uh, no, I don't look over my shoulder at all. Um, you know, p- part of, uh, what I hope my channel brings to the world is an understanding that you don't actually have to be afraid of this silly organization. Um, are they going to try a lot of things to mess with you? Yeah, sure. And if you let that get to you, then it's going to get to you. But the only reason they're doing it is to try to get to you. So if you, if, if you don't let it get to you, have they won you know what I mean? Now, look, I tend to be a little too more too flipp- more flippant about this than I sh- than I probably should be. Um, but what what can I say? That's how I'm, how I'm wired. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's also one of the reasons, like, when they try to copyright strike my channel and stuff, what do I do? I do a video about it. I I, I try to let these fools know that every little single thing they try to do to me, I'm just going to turn it into something and use against them. So by all means, do me a favor and keep doing shit. It does not bother me. Um, yeah. and better they do it to me than someone else, you know, I agree. um, and anyone who's got a channel is like, they have the ability to expose everything, all, all of Scientology's silliness. They just can't get away with the same stuff these days that they used to. They still try. Yeah. I mean, you know, I busted some Scientology PIs who've been surveilling my house and my street for, for months, but it's like, to what end it's such a waste of time and money. And it just gives me something to do a video about. It's so silly.
1: That's why they do less of it now, isn't it? Because they've just realised every time they do this, it looks bad, it looks worse for them. And if they just remain silent, I mean, they can at least tell themselves they've retained a dignified silence. I mean, the rest of us wouldn't agree that it's dignified. But Jen, thank you so much for your super chat. Really appreciate it. Helps with the channels and everything when when you guys all support us. Uh, With the exception of Shelly, Jen says, we are celebrating freedom tomorrow in the US thank you for shedding light on her whereabouts let's keep the energy going uh freedom from from me i think isn't it really yes it's our freedom from you (laughs) oh no didn't you like being with us you could play cricket and um and have a royal family and things some biscuits and a spot of tea (laughs) you miss that stuff but but you know good good on you guys good on you guys and you've done you've done better than the 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 colonies of, of other countries um in the southern part of the continent for example uh when i was living in argentina they always said you know sort of wish we had been a colony of England those ones sort of worked out all right I don't know if, if it's anything to do with that who knows thank you the harsh truth for your super chat thing who would take over well we did that if Miss Miscavige died so I don't think we should go into it too much uh Tom Cruise would not take over would he no he would never take over imagine that though what a news day that would be yeah yeah heather whalen uh the andrew aaron combo so good could not agree more gotta get us doing more stuff together i'm always pushing this man he's a busy man though he's on a mission lady pamela question what would happen if 50 family members went to the big building and said hey where's my sister or brother or whatever get them now so i guess that everyone's almost sort of unionizing uh does that ever happen people get together we're gonna go and get them
0: I mean, I guess, you know, you had the, the anonymous protest that happened from 2008 that lasted for many, many years. You know, mm-hmm. I heard someone say something in um, a video recently that I thought was incredibly good advice, so I want to repeat it. The anonymous protests were done outside of Scientology organizations. Those protests would perhaps have been much more effective if they were done outside of the businesses of the high-level Scientologists who donate millions of dollars to Scientology. People inside those Scientology organizations are so, uh, is inculcated, the right word, like blocked off, like they're in a bubble. They're so so—they're so impervious to people who they consider to be SPs, suppressive persons protesting at Scientology. No one inside a Scientology organization, and I, I'm speaking from my own personal opinion and my own personal experience, gives a damn about protesters outside the org, because they already have this idea that, you know, the big, bad, suppressive people who secretly control the entire world through big pharma and psychiatry, that those protesters are just misinformed and they've fallen for the propaganda of big pharma and big psych and all that kind of stuff. It's very easy to, to explain away why those protesters are doing what they're doing outside of Scientology organizations, but you go outside of, uh, you know, the headquarters of a Scientology company that's owned and run by someone that's donated tens of millions of dollars to Scientology, now you're making a problem. Now you're making a, a big problem. So I, I just wanted to, you know, there was something about this comment that reminded me of that. Oh, just the idea of, you know, yeah, if 50 family members went outside a Scientology organization and did this, I think that would be great. Not sure how effective it would be. It would be, it would be great to do it. But what if you did something similar Outside of the business. Well, like I'm trying to think of what the good example would be would be here of um
1: What well, well it's what Scientology what, did to the IRS. And you were say you're saying do it back to them. Like the Scientology didn't they pick out individuals and, and where it hurt in their businesses, their homes, their families, exposing all of them. And they gave you know, why not use that tactic on Scientology? If you're trying to rock the boat, that's the way to do it. Yeah him where yeah. it, him where it hurts. Um, let's see, should we, we should end on, on something soon. And you're never supposed to say on YouTube end because people will click off and I don't want you to click off. Don't click off. Um, but I think, okay, there's a couple of just nice questions. Firstly, Joe Spring says, Aaron, do you love us as much as we love you?
0: <laughs> All you anonymous faceless people. I love you so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you I'll love you they're that they're
0: there for you. I'll tell you what, one of the reasons I do so many live streams, um, I, I say it helps cut down on time you have to spend editing, but just being able to interact with all the viewers in the comment section is, uh, it makes the entire experience uh, that much, that much more better, that much more different and better. Like for me now, it's about the engagement. It's not even, I almost, it's not just about uploading content, it's about engaging with the viewers and engaging with the audience. I do love it. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, it would just be me and you talking in a room, wouldn't it? I know. That wouldn't be fun. <laughs> talking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and me complaining about you, how you sleep at night and all those kinds of things, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, and let's go with, uh, I like this one, just a creepy B5. Do you realize how much you have helped make a difference? Thank you.
0: I like to think that I do. Um, it is one of the reasons I like keep continuing to put up content that I think will have a difference to people who are still in Scientology. That That's actually who I, it's sort of my intended audience. People yeah. who... We're in the same position that I was in back in 1998 when I first found the Scientology internet forums. And what I found there, what I found being discussed, how I found it being discussed did not reflect my own experience. And so I was like, oh, that's just a bunch of bullshit from a bunch of lying, suppressive persons. And my goal is to talk about Scientology in a way. That someone who's still in Scientology who stumbles upon my content would be like, uh-oh, I'm not supposed to be watching this. And then would immediately go, Oh shit, though, but this guy's this guy's this guy's saying the truth though. You know, this guy's being fair. So I like to think that I do know how much of, of a difference that makes. But it's, it's nice to hear it. So
1: thank you very much. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautifully put, Aaron. Um, and I've got a f- three missions for everybody watching. There's 2,500 people watching at the moment. I've got three big missions. If you can accomplish just all three of them, I'll be very happy. So firstly... Make sure you've hit the like on this button and you could comment as well that helps as well right secondly you've got to go to growing up in scientology hit the subscribe and then actually watch his videos aaron's videos watch all of our videos as much through as you as you want or can enjoy them if you ever stop or go out just leave them running on mute because you know it helps us doesn't it right number three make sure to do that number two in a separate tab and stay here because people watching later i'm going to put an end screen here for my latest video with john atack is going to go in the middle of the screen and that's brand new and john Atak's brilliant and you've got to watch that um and if you're watching this live now just go to my you won't get that but just go to my channel while also going to growing up in scientology and also doing all the different things all the missions you've got the missions thank you guys thank you aaron there anything anything to think or say no it's always a pleasure being on here with you thank you Thank you so much, Aaron, for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to talk to Aaron, to you, well, to him, I should say, because he's probably not listening, is he? So it's it's nice to talk to him. Uh, follow his YouTube on Growing Up in Scientology. Make sure to get my Saturday episodes, that's on patreon.com slash Gold and uh, Apple subscribers, you can get it there. It's also on YouTube, so go check out the YouTube, you tend to get a lot of those ones as lives, live streams, and you can come and ask questions and get involved, uh, as you could hear people were asking questions on that episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it, let me know who I should interview next, get in touch with any thoughts and things like that. I'll see you soon.